I'm a short person, so you'll have, I'm assuming you all can see me, right? Do you remember when the Queen was here many, many years ago and they put her behind a podium and all you saw was her hat? Right, okay. Um, I've been sitting here thinking, I have a script, but I, and if you could indulge me for just for one minute, um, I'm going to go off script and then I'll go back to the message so I stay on, uh, on track. Uh, I was sitting here thinking, people at my stage of life have bucket lists, right? And um, I have a short bucket list, but I will say this morning, the Lord revealed to me something that I never knew I had on my bucket list. And that is to be able to speak and share God's word in a Protestant cathedral. <laughs> that is beyond anything I could have ever imagined. But Jesus could, isn't that wonderful? Onto my script. On Saturday, I flew into the Toronto airport, met by Sarah. She picked me up, brought me here to Tyndale. And from the moment that we drove in, I thought, wow, this is really interesting. She brought me in and uh, she gave me kind of a mini tour. How do you go on a mini tour at Tyndale, right? Um, I discovered this wonderful home that God has given to Tyndale. What a gift. And I was taken around to various places and then went up to the classroom where I'd be parked for this week. And then she says, I'll take you to the chapel. By the time we came into the chapel, I was in sensory overload. And I thought, wow, I don't even have words. So I just want to commend all of you here at Tyndale. This is a marvelous thing you're doing. God has given to you. And I, I admire your dedication and commitment. And I've heard a few of the stories, and I can only imagine what it has taken to bring it to this place. So thank you to the Tyndale community. And thank you for those of us who are visiting profs and students. So let's those of us who are profs and students, so we say thank you. Thank you very much. When I received the invitation to speak in chapel today, I, the Lord just revealed to me the text that I should speak on, and that was Psalm 121. It just came. And I understand Evan Howard last, preached last week on Psalm 131. Isn't it cool how God works, right? And, but I didn't know what the message would be. I knew that this was a psalm, so I've been sitting with it, meditating on it, pondering it, praying it, and trying to sort of think about what it meant. And as often is the case, Often what's happening in our life is affected by perhaps a text of scripture, and we bring that scripture when we share in this way. I'm also aware that when we engage in the world of the Psalms, we find a place to rest when life is confusing, when life is uncertain, when life doesn't seem fair. Because indeed, every emotion can surface from our hearts is found in these Psalms. So these are the songs of the people. And about two-thirds of the way through the biblical hymnal, the Psalms, there's 15 songs which are pilgrim songs. And this is one of them. Now, you know these pilgrim songs would have been sung while they were making their pilgrimage on their way, walking on their way to Jerusalem. And when you read them all together, and they were being sung, there may have been more, we don't know, they had a lot to ponder from these Psalms. So think about this, just use your imagination. Here are these Hebrew folk living out in various villages. They're getting ready to go for this pilgrimage, packing up, becoming a pilgrim in the desert. And this was a big thing. They'd um, 
have to pack up their provisions and so forth. Probably most walked, moms, dads, kids, older folk, and they carried their provisions. They didn't have these rollies that I saw at the Calgary airport a few days ago. It was no small task. Christine Paintner has written in, on her blog about what it means to be a pilgrim. And she writes, I often define a pilgrim as one who embarks on an intentional journey to court holy disruption. Really? I don't know about you, I don't court holy disruption. She says disruption, disruption is a welcoming in of being uncomfortable, of being called to our edges. She goes on to explain that the root of the word pilgrim is peregrini, which means stranger. Now this I, I didn't know, I'd heard another, but it says means stranger. To become a pilgrim means to embrace our own strangeness, the strangeness of the journey, a way of breaking open all the assumptions, expectations about how the world should work. And Paintner also views pilgrimage as both an inner and outer journey both of which lead us to new experiences and both which serve for inner transformation. So if holy disruptions are meant to be spiritual journeys, this, this psalm sorry, is very fitting because it, in the circumstances of, in, of change, as you all have here at Tyndale, or of intentional pilgrimages, which those of us who are visiting faculty and students are on, whether we recognize it, this is kind of a pilgrimage. And thank you, Tyndale, for making a nice place to come for pilgrimage. Um, we are led to explore places that have been unexplored in our lives. And so this broadens the scope of this psalm, at least it does for me. I'm a pilgrim. You are a pilgrim. Margaret Silf in her book, The Other Side of Chaos, writes that change and shifts in life are never comfortable. We all know that. She says they make your feet ache. A couple of years ago, I took a group of folk on a prayer pilgrimage to Ireland and we walked a lot. We'd get back to our uh, lodgings at night and our feet ached. I suspect there's been several back aches and feet aches around here as things and boxes and stuff have been moved. Change, she says, makes your headache. You folk at Tyndale know all about that. You've had a huge change, and it fascinates me to think of what might have given you a headache, like, a headache, like where did my desk go? Right? Change makes our souls ache and spirits ache. I was sharing with our class, we've been talking about attachments. And I try and think that I'm not really attached. I am to a few things, books. I'm attached to my books. But yesterday I woke up and um, I actually have a tan line. I wear a watch and the battery died. Oh my goodness. I didn't think I was that attached. I'm actually using a cell phone of which I tease my younger students. You use your cell phone as a watch, really? Mm. And just for about five seconds, maybe 10, I realized my watch wasn't working and I thought, oh, if I was at home in Calgary, I'd go to Market Mall this morning, I'd go to the Bay, I'd go to the watch repair place and I'd get a new battery. But I'm in Toronto, they don't have those things here. 
Isn't that interesting? I actually thought that. Makes our spirits ache. Change makes us ache. So then the other side of change and pilgrimage, as we look at this psalm, we say, what are you trusting in then? What do you do when all this is going, ooh, inside? What are we trusting? What's helping us during this time? I couldn't help but ponder this last week when I heard of another really close friend of ours who's losing his job. He's been there for almost 20 years. Downtown corporation, he's an IT guy. Three months, he knows he'll be gone. He's mid-50s. And I thought, how many have looked to the tall buildings of downtown Calgary as a source of security and financial prosperity? And I suspect Calgary being the city it is, probably Toronto is similar, right? Which led me to recognize the essence of this psalm, which is trust. It's trust. Not just ordinary trust, but a radical trust. And the first comments are about me, about you. Where does your trust come from? Where does your help come from? Is it from a job? Is it from a title? Is it from financial security? Well, no. The psalmist says, my help comes from the Lord. The Lord is the one in whom we trust, in the midst of change, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of the unknown. The Lord is the one who watches over you. And you know what it says? He doesn't take a nap. Hmm. Stands beside you. He watches you. Watches over your life. Now, as Gary said, I'm a spiritual director and I've been uh, serving in this capacity for about 35 years, a little over 35 years. And for almost 20 years, I've been a spiritual director to a lady who I view as one of the most godly women I know. She has sought the face of God through many, many years in the midst of good times, in the midst of difficult times, through major losses, even when God the one she so deeply loves would be silent. And not silent for a short time, silent year after year after year. And she continued to remain a woman of prayer, faithfully seeking the Lord on a daily basis, even when he still would be silent. Oh, God would sneak in a few morsels for her here and there, reminding her that he was still around, that he was still taking care of her. She knew that, she had no doubts. And then two years ago, the Lord took her husband to be with him, and she continued to trust God for her direction and care in this new state of life. Well, we met, oh, maybe, uh, it was about maybe two or three times before her husband passed away. It was um, clear that, that he would be taken, her husband. And she said, you know, Joyce, I've never been to Bible school. I think I'd like to go to Bible school someday. And she told me about Cape and Ray. She prayed about that. And as I said, two years ago, her husband passed. Last year, she prayed, she continued to pray, the Lord opened the way. Well, first thing she had to do, she had to sell her house in Calgary. Now last year, at this time, houses were going pretty good, but she asked the Lord for a certain amount. And her real estate agent said, I don't think you're gonna get that. A week later, she got exactly that. Then um, she had to dispose of 40 years of stuff 
Those of us who've been married a long time know we accumulate stuff, and why on earth we do that, I don't know, but we do. And that was no small feat because her husband was a voracious collector. Last fall, she ended up at Thetis Island off the coast of BC, enrolled in the first year student at Cape Henry. Now, I guess I didn't tell you yet. She's 72 years old. Whereas she has the means to be able to spend her life on beaches on any place in the world, she has, known, she has chosen to make significant changes in her life which will feed her soul. Two weeks ago we met for spiritual direction and her thoughts are around being open to the leading of God and what God has for us. And she said, Joyce, can we really trust God to look after us? It's not whether God can look after us, but can we trust that? Can we really trust that? And all the time we had that session, I was thinking of Psalm 121. Trusting God in the midst of change and challenge. Well, she was the only senior in her class last year, uh, as you could imagine. And um, her mother passed away in the first semester. Her brother passed away at Christmas time. They're in southern Saskatchewan. She had things to deal with. And so guess what? She said, I've discerned the goddess saying, go do first year over again. So in a few weeks' time, she's heading back to Thetis Island. And she's going to do first year over again. Because there's so much more for her that she says the Lord wants her to learn. I have to tell you one thing about my friend. For all the time that I have known this dear friend, she's always been well put together in how she looked and dressed. Makeup, tastefully done. Her clothes were of the best, not ostentatious, but attractive, color coordinated. She's had the same haircut for as long as I've known her, short, um, smart, every hair in place, looking very professional. She came to our house two weeks ago and I had to do a double take. Her hair was spiked. <laughs> Goop holding it up. And I looked. Not only that, she had wings on each side. I guess trusting God can have major repercussions. So just like my friend, the psalmist in Psalm 121 is talking about trust. That the one who has led us into change, the one who has guided us into the journey we're on, be it an inner pilgrimage or exterior pilgrimage, is trustworthy. Absolutely trustworthy. Do you believe that? It's a matter of trust. Well, there's one more other thing I'd like you to know about me. I'm a bald eagle watcher. I'm not a bird watcher, bald eagle watcher. And I've been watching bald eagles, observing them for over 20 years. It was started in Vancouver and we were living there. When I was studying there. And we lived near UBC and from our back deck, because in Vancouver most houses don't have a, a basement, you walk in the main floor and we lived on the second floor. And from our back deck we could see this area a block over and discovered the first, the first spring that we were there that that was home to a pair of bald eagles and they came back every summer and they had either one or two little little eaglets. They'd come back, rental their nest and prepare for the next brood. Well, after returning to Calgary and I didn't have bald eagles in my backyard, I found out, somebody said, well, Joyce, you can go on webcam. Oh, really? Yeah. 
So this spring, I was watching a bald eagle family on webcam that were located near White Rock, BC. Bald eagles are wonderful parents. And though I missed the hatching time, I was able to get in about two or three weeks after they hatched. Now, unfortunately, these bald eagle parents didn't give us a clue who were watching these little guys grow as to whether they were two boys or two girls. They didn't put blue or pink ribbons on them, right? Um, or a boy and a girl. But I decided that I would do that myself. So I decided the firstborn was a boy. Uh, he was first hatched, I mean, not firstborn. Second hatch that came along three days later was a girl. I'm going to see how sharp you are here this morning. I named the oldest eaglet George. My little girl, what did I name her? Oh, really? Charlotte. Oh, now you got it? The royal little babies. Okay, George and Charlotte. Now, it was about a couple of weeks before these little guys left the nest that I looked in one day, Mum Eagle generally. I'm going to call it Mum Eagle because Mum and Dad Eagle look alike, and uh, apparently Mum Eagle weighs more, but I couldn't tell the difference. So Mum Eagle usually came with a fish, and she'd leave it on, drop it off in the airy, and the two would help themselves, or she'd just fly off. She'd just leave them. This particular time, she stayed. And I was intrigued by that. She dropped off the fish, and she just stood at the back of the airy. And um, she just observed something that I had already figured out. When lunch or dinner arrived, George, being the first hatched, would go to the fish first. And he'd push aside his sister and have his lunch. And when he was done, he'd step aside and Charlotte would make her way to the fish and she would eat. Mom bald eagle stood in the edge of the nest and she watched this happen. She never moved, she just watched. George ate his fill, stepped aside, Charlotte took her turn. When this was all done, I found this the most fascinating thing. Mom bald eagle literally took three steps. One, two, three, to the fish. And she took a piece of the fish and she gave a piece to Charlotte. Now Charlotte, being the bald eagle teen, could have said to herself, oh, this is so humiliating. Why does my mother still have to spoon or beak feed me? I could take care of this myself. I'm growing up. I don't need mom to do this. Whether she thought that or not, I don't know. But she accepted the feeding of the fish. And Mum Bald Eagle fed that little one for quite a while. Now, I don't know Bald Eagle body language, but at some point, Mum knew that Charlotte was okay. She was fed, and she stepped back and flew away from the nest. She knew what her little eaglet needed. It's like God who watches over us, right? And feeds what we need. In Deuteronomy, God gave a song to Moses for the people to sing, which reminds the people of Israel what the Lord God had done for them. And this is part of the song. The Lord God found them in the desert land, in an empty, howling wasteland. He surrounded them and watched over them like an eagle rouses her chicks and hovers over her young. He spreads his wing to take them up and carry them safely in their pinions. 
By the way, that's not opinions, that's opinions. I asked my husband, what does opinions mean? You mean opinions? No, 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 opinions. So I had to look that word up. Opinions. The Lord has these wings with these bones that come around us and hold us. Psalmist in 91 says pretty much the same thing. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. And verse 4, he will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. And in the New American, it says, he will shelter you with his pinions. Under his wings, you can take refuge. There's a wonderful, beautiful story uh, about a gentleman in Washington State. Uh, Bald eagles and humans don't generally bond. It is not a common thing for these creatures to to bond with us as humans. Jeff Goodry um, found a a young bald eagle who was really in trouble, picked her up, took her to a bird sanctuary, and I just want to tell this story quickly because it's a very moving story about this image of the bald eagle caring for um, even a person. He uh, took this bird to the sanctuary. She had, both her wings were broken. Um, one wing, four, one, four places, the other one place. They didn't think she'd ever live. She wasn't walking even. And so they tried to take care of her and, and uh, even fed her um, through her beak. <laughs> um, and he kept coming back and taking care of her and talking to her and, 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 and just soothing her. And they were thinking of putting her down because she just wasn't responding. Well, one day they were going to make the decision. He came around the corner and the whole staff was looking at him smiling. They said, you should go see her. And she just started to walk. From that point on, she began to heal. And she had bonded to him. And, uh, and then it was the other way around. Jeff was diagnosed with cancer. And he had lymphoma and he had to go in for... Uh, um, cancer treatments and he couldn't see her as often but the Lord did something the Lord would bring her to him in his dreams to remind him of what he had encouraged her to do to stay with it, to keep on to have the courage to go on and so uh, he'd visit her from time to time but he just wasn't well enough to be there to see her on a continuing basis and so then he had all these uh, chemo treatments and it was just before Thanksgiving of that particular year he went and had his test done and he went to see the surgeon the surgeon said I have to tell you your cancer's gone it's all gone and on his blog he says hallelujah so first thing he did he went to the birth sanctuary to go get freedom she's a full-grown bald eagle, white head and everything, and he takes her out. In the, uh, in the meantime, freedom had been trained to be in an arm, and they jesse them, which means that they put um, uh, leather straps. They, they train them so that they're comfortable to be in a person's arm, and they, they strap them to their arm. He picked up freedom, and they went out into the woods for a walk, and he went in a hill, and he just stood there. Freedom took her wings, and she put them around him and held him just held him. Um, he says he still doesn't know how long it was. They were just there, the two of them. And um, he felt this incredible sense of care. Psalm 121, a psalm of trust. Trust in the God who surrounds us with the wings of comfort, the wings of courage, the wings of strength, the wings of, of promise. Where does my help come from? Certainly not the things that would seemingly give us security and promise. Not there. 
My help comes from the Lord. Because the Lord will keep our feet on the right path, provide the secure footing we need. In fact, this Lord doesn't slack. He doesn't even sleep, apparently. He watches over you. He stands beside you. And when we need it most, he spreads his wings around you, watching over your lives and your comings and goings. I have on our fridge at home um, a pilgrim prayer that comes from a Celtic prayer book, and I'd like to close with that. Pilgrim God, bless us with courage. Where our way is wrought with danger, Bless us with good companions when the way demands a friend. Bless us with humor, for we cannot travel lightly when we're weighed down with overmuch concern. Bless us with humility to learn from those around us. Bless us with decisiveness when we have to move quickly. Bless our lazy moments when we need to stretch our limbs for the journey. Bless us, lead us, love us, bring us home bearing the gospel of life. And Lord God, I pray this in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.